Welcome to Cowan Insights, a space that brings leading thinkers together to share insights and ideas shaping the world around us. Join us as we converse with the top minds who are influencing our global sectors. Hello, my name is Charles Reed, Cowan's Healthcare Technology Analyst, and welcome to Cowan's Future Health Podcast. Today's podcast is part of our monthly series that continues Cowan's efforts to bring together thought leaders, innovators, and investors to discuss how the convergence of healthcare, technology, and consumerism is changing the way we look at health, healthcare, and the healthcare system. And today we'll be talking about telehealth. And with all the challenges and tragedy of the past year and more due to COVID, one of the few positives to come out of it has been the broader recognition of telehealth's ability to provide access to quality care, particularly in a time of great need. Telehealth is not something new and has in fact been growing and evolving for years uh, before the pandemic. And telehealth continues to evolve as more and more providers incorporate virtual care into their practice. Uh, Joining me today to speak on telehealth's future is Dr. Ido Schoenberg, chairman and CEO of Amwell and who oversees the company's corporate strategy. Since co-founding the company in 2006 with his brother Roy, Ido has led the company's strategic direction growing Amwell to become one of the largest telehealth companies in the world. Ido, uh, thanks for joining us today. It's my pleasure, Charles. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Uh, so, you know, let, let's, I wanted to talk about uh, when you started the company back in 2006. Um, and, and at that time, just wanted to, you know, hear about, you know, what you envisioned the role of telehealth would be uh, at the start. You know, we always believed that throughout our companies, the technology would transform uh, healthcare. The biggest challenge at the time, and it still is in many ways, was fragmentation. Uh, Care is duplicative, it's not uh, well uh, choreographed and coordinated, and we believe that technology could could really help uh, overcome uh, this. We never felt for a second that telehealth should replace the existing patient-provider relationship, but rather amplify and complement it uh, when uh, appropriate, and those uh, assumptions uh, are really true until, until today. And that's, that's helpful. And, you know, obviously over the, the next 10 plus years, we've seen the market recognize uh, the potential of telehealth. But, you know, I, I think it's fair to say that it was still fairly largely unknown uh, among consumers until COVID. And I think, you know, even from your own physician survey back in 2019, I, I think it showed something like, uh, you know, just under 20% of physicians had provided a telehealth visit. You know, how has the, recept- the receptivity changed to telehealth, particularly among providers? And, and do you think this change is durable? So we just are recovering from, from a dark period in, in, in many ways. And I think that during COVID, people were forced to behave in an unnatural way. People were locked in their homes. They had no other alternatives, so they had uh, to connect. Uh, you're absolutely right that before COVID, only, only not too long ago, only 20% of the providers in the United States uh, tried telehealth. Telehealth, the number is now over 80. So that's a very, very big change in the opportunity for people to experiment uh, digital uh, connectivity uh, f- for the first time. In January of 2020, uh, only 1% of the visit, give or take, of the visits were done uh, uh, online. At the height of COVID uh, during the spring of last year, we were looking at over 50%. And now, as you mentioned, it stabilized around 15 uh, to uh, 
Uh, I think it's unfair to predict that the type of telehealth that was prevalent during COVID is going to persist because thank God we believe that people will not be locked in their home and they'll have other, uh, other uh, options. So a lot of this necessary connectivity is going uh, to go away. However, I'm pretty sure that people discovered the many benefits of digital connectivity and they're going to use uh, that newly discovered capability for other things that actually are even more valuable uh, over time. If to use an analogy, uh, we, when we started to work with Amazon, right, we got books to our home. Nobody ever felt the story is not about books, but the story is about home delivery and the access to online uh, purchasing. So I think that there was lack of sophistication on what digital connectivity can offer in order to recreate the actual model of care that was now a really a big discovery for many people. And because digital connectivity brings so many clinical and financial benefits, I think it's very unlikely that it's not going to persist also well after the pandemic is over. You know, um... You know, you say it that way uh, about Amazon, and and I think back to my own uh, kind of behaviors, and I, and I would think that many people's behaviors have changed due to the pandemic. You know, I, I you know, I shop for clothes online where I used to not do that. Um, you know, use Fresh Direct, things like that. I, you know, I don't see myself going back uh, to department stores. You know, once the pandemic is over, uh, you know, would would you think that this would hold true for telehealth as well, or, or is healthcare perhaps different? Well, healthcare is different in the sense that the stakes are really high. The pace of change is, is, is very slow because literally we, we, we bet our life on this, on this process. Uh, drones are flying all over the world quite safely, yet I don't know anyone that would be comfortable walking into an aircraft that has no pilots. So the psychology of change in areas that are complicated should not be underestimated and the pace uh, of change uh, is uh, likely to uh, take uh, longer. However, we are all fully aware about the enormous implications of extreme high cost of care, the lack of access uh, to care, uh, and the growing need for very complicated care for an aging uh, population. Uh, these uh, enormous needs really uh, mandate the use of technology in, uh, in healthcare. I think that COVID provided the historic opportunity to really see that it actually works, that it, it can provide the value. And therefore, I'm actually pretty convinced that the model of care will change. I'm not talking about video visits. I'm talking about the ability to collect much more information from people all the time, to truly analyze and understand it all the time, to rethink uh, care pathways, to engage with consumers in a way where healthcare comes to you and you don't come to, to healthcare. It's always on presence uh, in your life. And the ability to do it in a way that does not compromise on connectivity with the trusted participants from a clinical and financial standpoint. To have uh, care services that are uh, provided by people that I know, that I can see in person, and covered by the entity that normally cover care, my employer, my government, my uh, payer, uh, but in a way that is so 
appropriate for healthcare. When we are sick, our home is a very natural and normal place uh, to be. And if technology can bring me much more of, of, of high quality care uh, that is covered and trusted uh, to my home, it's very likely that it's going to become part of the reality for us and for our children and grandchildren. You know, that, that's kind of a nice segue sort of into the next uh, topic here. I wanted to talk about uh, Converge and, you know, we're recording this uh, following uh, your annual Klein Forum, which was held virtually, uh, and you formally launched uh, uh, your, your new platform, Converge, here. You know, I thought the presentation was really compelling, uh, really demonstrated that telehealth is more than uh, video connectivity, as you just mentioned. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, uh, talk about Converge here and, uh, you know, kind of describe, you know, what, what it is and, uh, you know, what, what, can, what, what it can do. You and I, Charles, talked many times about the strategic uh, plan for, for Amwell, our, our vision of the future, our North Star, and so on and so forth. And we had a fairly robust uh, development plan that we planned for the next uh, few years. Uh, come COVID, we realized that we, we really have a moral obligation, more than anything else, to accelerate that plan because the world has changed. Because the level of readiness of people to work in a different way is here and the impact could be quite uh, significant. So Converge is really the next uh, generation uh, of the Amwell platform. It's designed to be available to all the ecosystem that is currently uh, using uh, Amwell as part of their normal uh, upgrade uh, cycle. And it has a long list of uh, new features and functions that we believe uh, will significantly increase the value that the ecosystem is generating from our uh, platform uh, today. Um, just in way of headline, it's designed as a very modern uh, architecture that is a multi-tenant service-oriented uh, cloud-based. It is one single platform uh, for all our uh, ecosystem. It supports the traditional telehealth, which is transactional, but also longitudinal care, which means that it's available in your life in many ways continuously. It's designed to be deeply integrated with existing assets, which is so important for ecosystem players. So inside your EMR or practice management system, if you're a doctor or using your favorable digital door uh, as, a, as a consumer. Um, one of my favorites is, is the fact that it's an open platform uh, that allows other innovators uh, to participate uh, it is built in a modular way, which really means two important things. Uh, one is you don't need to buy the entire expensive platform and deploy it over a long time. You can buy what you need and then over time buy more capabilities when you need them and even change your mind and turn down some capabilities that are not relevant. So we can cater to much larger uh, audience. Another uh, value point for modularity is the fact that every component can be very easily replaced. So if the video engine is not as great as it can be, we can easily replace it uh, with a new one as it uh, becomes uh, available. Converge is designed from the get-go, not for acute care, urgent care. Uh, it's really designed for the full continuum of care from prevention all the way to a uh, catastrophic uh, care. And yet it's designed to be incredibly simple. There is one user interface. There is one meeting place for everyone that uses this platform. 
and we overcome the complexity of comprehensiveness by creating context sensitive uh, uh, capabilities. So the things you see when you interact with the platform are only the, the things that you need for the task that you're carrying uh, through uh, as you uh, carry it. It's designed to work anywhere around the world, which is really important. We think that our mission is not limited to uh, United States. And we, we really promise ourselves never to be surprised by tidal waves. So it's really scalable to from here to, to infinity uh, in the sense that uh, we believe that uh, it should accommodate what we believe is, is, is possible, which is a very rapid uh, adoption of digital connectivity. And yet it's the most efficient platform that we've built, which uh, makes it much more deployable, much more uh, available uh, to many more uh, people. So probably a longer answer than you asked for, but uh, that's that these are the headlines about Converge. Yeah. And, and and I, and I think that, you, you know, you touched on some of it already, but, you know, in, in that answer, but, you know, I think sometimes when people think of telehealth, they often think simply of a video visit, urgent care, acute care. And, and so, you know, when they see, you know, new entrants coming into the market, you know, like Amazon and, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people tend to think that it's you know, the barrier to entry is low in this space, but you know, maybe deep, uh, go a little bit deeper into that and maybe talk about what makes Converge different from what's in the market today. I think there is a big difference between connectivity and especially only limited connectivity in way of video and collaboration. And it's an ocean apart in many, many ways. Connectivity is simple. Uh, you and I can decide to meet at a certain time and do have a video chat between us. We are not violating any rule. We don't pay each other. We don't need to document that encounter. And it's a very, very simple thing that works uh, quite well. Healthcare doesn't work like that. There is a whole world of needs in order to enable appropriateness of care and collaboration. We need to collect much more information. We need to understand the insights. We need to be able to interact with different participants even before the visits to check eligibility. Uh, to potentially submit a claim, to integrate into an EMR. Uh, after the visit, we may want to educate the patient or connect with other participants. When we connect with them, we need to think about operational aspects like their availability and financial aspects in way of how do we uh, make sure that uh, everybody is getting uh, paid and the service is being rendered in a legal way. We need to think about cybersecurity. And this is just a small list of many, many other things that makes uh, the realization of, of, of telehealth much different uh, than the connectivity through a video. Mind you, during the COVID, it was very apparent that when two parties decided to connect, the likes of Zoom and FaceTime did wonderful work in connecting people that otherwise uh, were not, didn't have the infrastructure in order to do that. Uh, there is a place for that, but our mission is, is, is much broader than that. Uh, and our service to the ecosystem is really to allow all the participants to uh, render healthcare uh, in a new way, uh, not offer a, a service for primary care that is uh, more affordable versus other services, but really connect to the main pathway of care and enable it to leverage technology. So the precious time 
of very expensive and busy providers is well spent so we can reach many more people in the most efficient way. You know, and you say that, um, you know, it, it seems like that uh, if we think about how telehealth has been used recently, our, you know, our survey work has kind of indicated that, you know, people are still using Zoom and, and FaceTime. Um, how much of that do you think is really that we're still in this public health emergency versus, you know, health systems thinking to a certain extent, well, we, we achieve sort of the, the goals that we need uh, by allowing connectivity through, you know, more simple means like this. Um, is this something that you would expect to change uh, when, when it's, I, I think it's expected, right? Once the, the public health emergency is over, uh, we'll have greater enforcement of, you know, things like HIPAA and you know, other kind of rules. Uh, you know, what, are, what are your thoughts here on that? Video conferencing is, is amazing in solving the problem of distance. When I cannot be with another person in the same room, video conferencing is a wonderful way to create uh, something that is close enough to the real uh, experience. There is a long list of many, many other things that video conferencing does not solve for. And in time of a non-emergency, people are much more mindful about, about HIPAA, about security, about payment, about integration, about multi-party collaboration, and long list of other things that we know are a top of mind for our clients and our partners. So they could be used for the simple utility at any time, but we believe that to make digital connectivity part of healthcare, you require much deeper uh, integration. Uh, if you remember the days that EMR started, uh, every hospital used to have a small department that wrote their own EMR. And that was good. And it was much better. It was legible. Uh, it was reproducible. It was collaborative and so on and so forth. No one in his right mind or her mind, right mind today is, is writing EMR at home. Uh, they're much more complicated because the need has, has evolved uh, uh, dramatically. Uh, we spend uh, 15 years of a billion dollars developing the infrastructure that is required to really envelope uh, healthcare uh, through digital uh, connectivity. It's enormously complicated and we are nowhere near finished uh, doing what needs to be done in order to create uh, efficiency. So I believe that there is room for many interventions that really are driven by the utility uh, that you are trying uh, uh, to create. Uh, we aim quite high. We want to make sure that our clients and partners are future ready, that when they're ready to do much more, they have the modules, the programs, the capability uh, to really be extremely more efficient and effective in the way that they render uh, healthcare and video conferencing alone is, is, is very far from being able to realize that mission. Yeah. You know, you mentioned earlier about Converge being built on a, on a single kind of code base. Um, what does that enable you to do that can't be done, you know, through a well thought out, uh, you know, thorough integration of multiple systems? And, and certainly most health systems do operate in a multi-system kind of environment. and. And certainly with uh, the interoperability final rules coming out, it, it would, would suggest that we're on this path where we can move data among systems. Um, but still, you know, what does the, the single platform allow that that, that kind of uh, um, multi-system kind of environment you know, doesn't achieve? 
No, I wish I had the time to answer your very important question in full because it would take more than an hour. I'll give you a few uh, examples. It's incredibly important. It's also incredibly hard to, to do uh, because every domain is so different and you need to serve it in a really different way. The needs of providers are very different from employers, from payers. Uh, even within providers, how can you even compare acute care uh, in an ICU to, to, to teleneurology to, uh, to million other things that we, uh, we offer? But we were able to do that and we have it uh, uh, today. Uh, one uh, benefit, uh, for example, is a single identifier. Any CIO will tell you that the biggest headache of any organization is integrating platforms that have different uh, identifiers. So if Charles is appearing in one platform over a cart, it's still the same Charles that, he, that requires services using the home TV. It's still the same entity that is logging into a Safari browser uh, on, on an Apple uh, phone. That opens the gate for enormous opportunity for collaboration. Uh, I'll give you an example. If you uh, work with a very sophisticated cart uh, in, in, in an ICU and you provide a teleneurology session, you can actually use the same cart in order to follow up with your patient at home. It will actually work. You can connect from the cart directly to their television. You can also open a, a Cerner EMR and connect to the cart that I just described from your EMR. So basically any participant in the healthcare ecosystem can effectively uh, connect uh, to one uh, another. Uh, another example of uh, the benefit of, of one platform is a, a singular user interface. So the user interface can uh, show and hide different capabilities, obviously based on the task that you're using, but the fact it's familiar and everybody is using the same environment and have one common uh, meeting place means a much uh, shorter learning curve, which means much higher uh, adoption, uh, much more simplicity and adherence. Uh, think about how wonderful it is that every app on the Apple OS looks and feels very similar and abides to the same rules. So that's what we're trying to, to, to create one common infrastructure that then makes it much easier for everybody to do uh, what, uh, what uh, they do best. You know, you mentioned uh, Apple OS. You know, I think one of the uh, interesting parts of Converge, you talked earlier, is the open platform approach and allowing you know, third-party developers to create apps uh, to extend the capabilities of Converge. You know, if I remember in the past, you know, when we were when we've talked about, uh, you know, I think it was called Marketplace at the time, you know, it allowed existing clients to, you know, build service lines like Second Opinion and, you know, they could sell that to other people that were on Marketplace into other animal clients. Uh, you know, the open platform approach here uh, that converge, it sounds a little bit different. You know, who do you envision being the primary contributors to the platform? Is it, is it existing clients or do you see other you know, third-party software developers coming in to build uh, capabilities? So when you we answer this question, you really need to point out probably what is the role of conversion in this story? And in my opinion, the role is plumbing, it's connectivity. You get the same environment, the same user interface facing the doctor and the same user interface facing the consumer. 
and connected to the rest of the participant. That's very precious piece of real estate. And with the longitudinal capabilities, you have an ability to connect with all participants also in the space between uh, the visits. When we think about that encounter, when we think that care is now going and connected through virtual uh, means, that's an opportunity to make it even more efficient in, in many, many ways. The problem is that any innovator, whether it's a client, a partner, or a third party that wants to bring a new thing to the table, needs in healthcare to go through a really long uh, uh, process that is very timely and very expensive. Let me give an example. Uh, there is a company that created a very inexpensive ultrasound. For this ultrasound machine that you can put on a, on a mother's, a pregnant woman's a, a, a belly, um, you still need to um, make sure that the information uh, is embedded in the EMR. You need to make sure that there is an OBGYN specialist that is able to look uh, at the clip. You may want to collect a co-payment from, from the patient. You may want to submit a claim. For a company that just invented the world's best ultrasound, that's a tall ask. By leveraging our technology and our APIs, such companies now have an opportunity not to recreate and reinvent what we've created on the one hand. And on the other hand, they're able to connect to the ecosystem that is already connected, which otherwise would take a really long time for a narrow fragmented uh, innovation. So when we think about innovators, we think about people that add to the virtual encounter a, a, a new a, a value, value point. It can be a device, it can be a program, it can be analytics, it can be information, it can be really many things. In our client forum, we saw companies as big as Google coming up with amazing translation and transcription and machine learning capabilities and as small as Taito and Biobit that brought integration into pretty amazing devices that you can use in a, a, every, every home. A, the, 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 we have clients, for example, that have, and you, you know them, I, I will not embarrass anyone by mentioning names, but they have seven EMRs, seven EMRs. Now imagine how difficult it is for a client like that to embed the workflow seven times in seven EMRs. When you have a connective tissue in the way of Amwell that connects to all those seven EMRs, you can create your own app that maps this workflow that you wanted to capture facing the patient or facing the doctor, uh, whatever the case uh, may be, in a very easily reproducible uh, uh, way. So we already encourage by enormous amount of uh, people, organizations that reached out to us that are now, as we speak, developing uh, on the Converge uh, uh, because they don't want to replicate what we've built and because they want to use us as a pathway uh, to the ecosystem. I don't profess that all of them will be successful, but that's the beauty of apps. Some fail, some are successful. I think the analogy of the Apple OS can go so far in healthcare. It's not exactly the same. You have a long list of concerns in healthcare. You need to vet technologies and services in a different way to make sure that they are very safe. But the general idea is that it takes a village and we are opening up uh, to collaborate with many more people at a time where other companies may close down and try to basically protect their own turf. You know, it's it's interesting that you say it that way, right? Um, and and if, if we think of that, 
more care is going into the home and you say, you know, that's the natural place to be. And so now we need as healthcare, as a healthcare system to be able to reach into the home. And, and certainly, you know, lots of companies are talking about their at-home strategy. It, it almost sounds like it's, it's an easier uh, opportunity for companies to connect through Converge and then be able to connect into the EMRs. And I, I think of like the HIMSS conference, right? And all these thousands of companies and they're all trying to, you know, uh, speak with Cerner and Epic to, to build into all these EMRs. It, it almost sounds like if I can connect into Converge and I've kind of solved for that problem across multiple EMRs, is that a, is that a fair way to think of it? Absolutely. Uh, essentially, we can take one less worry from the innovators, which is connectivity and collaboration. That's what we do in life. We are connected to many people and we're going to maintain those connections. It's not, a, it's not a binary thing. You need to continue and invest and progress and so on and so forth. And that's what our very large team is doing uh, for a living. And that allows people to focus on what they do best and try things in a way that is faster uh, than ever uh, before. We think that times require a level of agility that wasn't there before. Uh, many things have happened in COVID. Uh, one of them is, I think there is much less patience for people. Uh, and the days where you deploy a very expensive system for a very long time that went through enormously long uh, process are over. People want things that are, are, are light, are quick. They want uh, to understand whether they help or not. And if they don't, they want to move to the next uh, uh, thing. We see a deep cultural change that we'll probably only understand years from now that it's happened uh, to us uh, last year. And our platform could really provide the, the, the infrastructure uh, to allow for those rapid uh, experiments to take place. You know, another, I think an important announcement from the client forum was regarding programs OS. And, and I thought a very interesting uh, kind of description that you guys discussed was how you know, along with Converge, you're, you're really now connecting the digital, physical, and automated care. And I thought the automated part was pretty interesting. Maybe uh, talk about what, what do you mean exactly by uh, automated care? Sure. Uh, maybe dialing back for a second, if you think about physical and virtual, that's really important. We all, as, as you know, and, and you and I have talked about it for many, many times, we're not trying to create a parallel path to healthcare, but we want you to connect to your own doctor in person when you need to, and then connect with the same uh, person uh, also online. Uh, the fact is that your meetings with your doctor or your nurse are not always as efficient as can be. There are a lot of tasks, filling forms, following up, educating patients that really are so reoccurring and are, are, are very time consuming for everybody including the patient and, and, and the doctor. Uh, there are tasks that are not even possible. Only the, the president of the United States has a personal doctor that wakes him up in the morning and reminds him with, with, with a tray of a few pills and reminds him to take uh, his uh, pill. Most of us are much less uh, fortunate that, than that. So when we realize that the door for healthcare is with us in our home, that healthcare is present in our life uh, all the time, there is an opportunity to use different technologies like machine learning and AI and natural language processing and, and many, many other things in order to basically automate tasks that either uh, should are carried away by care providers today 
or are not carried away, but should have carried away if we could uh, have uh, afford, afford that. Um, uh, think about the value of how many people are standing more times a day because of the Apple Watch. Uh, how many people are, are monitoring their exercise? I mean, the exercise itself did not uh, uh, change, but the presence of technology in their life and their ability to remind and to nudge and to be involved in a way that is fully integrated change uh, uh, people's uh, behavior. We believe that taking a page from that and bringing that into the way that we manage our health, uh, both in sickness and in, in way of, of normal health and, and, and prevention, uh, could be uh, very uh, powerful. And we are investing in capabilities to do that. I'd like to point out that our version of automation is very different from some programs that exist today in the market where uh, they have an opinion about how to manage a diabetic patient, for example. They're sending some devices, they're reminding, there is a formula to remind the patients and, and, and improve outcome. Uh, what we are trying to do is uh, very true to our DNA, which is we are building infrastructure that will allow the people that we trust to automate their tasks in our platform so they can focus their time much more efficiently on things that require a, an intervention. Imagine how amazing it is if you take the leading cardiologist at Cleveland Clinic and able to automate a lot of her tasks so both at home and in the hospital so they can really spend their time on things that require a discretion. That is the, 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 the mission of the program OS that we will introduce only uh, next year, but shared uh, with our partners that we're working on right now. And, and I would imagine, though, that, you know, by doing this, we can start moving, you know, uh, I, I think away from maybe sick care, right, uh, reacting to when people are, are ill to being proactive uh, and trying to reach them to keep them well. Um, you know, it, it, is that sort of the, the main mission here? And, and is that, do you see that being achieved through uh, programs OS? I think that the future is truly bright in the sense that our, unfortunately, our way of healthcare, our current model of care is so enormously challenging. Uh, the fact that we only get monitored when we go to a point of care, which is very rare and very often too late and inefficient, uh, will change dramatically by the fact that we are connected to people uh, all the time. Of course, with great emphasis on their privacy, on their security, there is a right and wrong way uh, to do that. But when you are connected all the time, you can raise alerts much sooner. You can get to diagnosis much quicker. You can customize interventions much better. You can learn about populations and, and, and create studies in a much more uh, efficient uh, way uh, and deliver the intervention uh, much uh, uh, sooner. So overall, uh, what we do and many others is promising a much better an optimistic future for our children and, and, and grandchildren. So, so speaking of the future then, um, you know, and you mentioned before, right, a, a key part of the AMO mission is to connect people to their trusted uh, partner, their trusted physician. Uh, you know, obviously we, we talked earlier that prior to COVID, not many physicians had really done telehealth visit, but you know, now 80% of physicians have, have done one. Um, you know, how quickly do you see, you know, the, and 
the the utilization obviously has kind of normalized a little bit. Um, you know, but this provider adoption, uh, at least people trying it, has been really remarkable. Um, you know, where do you see this path of provider adoption moving over the next, you know, call it three to five years? And you know, how important a role do you see, you know, virtual care playing in the future uh, as part of a physician's practice? So that's a great question, and of course, requires a complicated answer because if adoption means to replace the in-person visits with a video conferencing capability, that has some value, and it may be limited in some in some cases. When I'm now walking freely in the street, and my doctor is available to see me, I may take the time to get into a car, wait in a waiting room and see my doctor because I trust my doctor and there is value in putting a hand on the shoulder and checking a patient and dialoguing uh, in a new human way. That's why I don't think that restaurants will disappear from the world. Uh, you can still enjoy going out, meeting people. There is magic uh, in, in, in the interaction. Uh, however, in many cases, my doctor is too far I'm too busy, I can't really uh, leave my work. So there is an element of convenience in connecting uh, digitally. But that's the tip of a very, very large iceberg. Uh, because our goal is not only to replace the re physical visit with a remote uh, distance uh, capability. Our goal is to, to get much more data, to get better insights, to rethink care plans and so on. And we talked about it many times, even uh, during uh, this call. Because the new model of care holds such an enormous promise in way of improving clinical outcomes, in way of uh, savings, the physics of it mandates the change. I don't see a scenario of not adopting technology as part of a healthcare that requires a, a connectivity. It's bound to happen, it will uh, happen, and it will make everybody's life uh, much, uh, uh, much uh, better. Uh, I don't know anyone that doesn't uh, think it's going to happen, uh, but you and I have uh, been on stages for many years and predicted it's going to happen next month or next year and didn't really happen in the speed that we predicted. Um, I, I have reasons to believe that this, this something broke, something happened uh, during COVID that created a real accelerator uh, to the inevitable North Star uh, of a world that is fully connected also in healthcare. So, and I think you're absolutely correct there. And, and so maybe lastly, uh, you know, we see in the market today as a result, you know, so many different models uh, that incorporate virtual care, whether it's uh, telehealth services sold to employers or uh, physical primary care clinics that supplement care with virtual visits. Uh, obviously, many other variations tied to specific areas like, you know, home health. Um, what does this uh, market kind of look like in, in your view? I mean, uh, will it end up like, you know, having both Waze and uh, Google Maps on your phone or Uber and Lyft? Um, you know, will we have multiple virtual care pathways uh, that we use for different purposes? You know, how, how do you see the market kind of shaking out? I think we are in a period where people understand that something enormous has happened and everybody is experimenting. And it's some of those experiments will, will fail and a few of them will be very successful. In addition to that, there is great confusion about the role of the contributors. 
people don't really are sure today about who they are and what they bring to the table. Some people are trying to bring too much while others are bringing uh, too little. It doesn't really connect and we all, and there is enormous amount of noise and everybody's confused. Providers are confused, payers are confused, people are confused and so on and so forth. Uh, it's not unlike any other secular change that we've seen in online retail, uh, the beginning of personal computing and so on and so forth. Eventually, the, the, the chaos stops and people assume the natural role and provide the real, uh, real uh, value. I believe that when the music ends in the sense that this new model of care will become a commonplace and a normal part of everybody's life, there are going to be clear winners, uh, but the winners are going to be very narrowly defined as bringing contribution in what uh, they do best uh, and are able to connect with others that bring this unique contribution uh, as well. So the winner will not necessarily be one big company that, <coughs> that offers you your entire healthcare, but rather a coalition. When you think about analytics, when you think about arranging information, it's hard to compete with Google. They've been doing it forever. They are very, very good at what they do. However, if someone has cancer, it's very unlikely that we'll go to Google in order to get cure uh, for a long list of obvious, uh, obvious uh, reasons. If we can find a way for the Cleveland clinics of the world, uh, for the Cedar signers of the world, to work with the anthems of the world and the Cerners of the world and the Googles of the world together, where each is bringing what they do best to a digitally connected solution, we are going to see enormous amount of uh, value. And in this story, as I've said uh, many times, we are only the plumbers. We are creating electronic connective tissue that will allow all those amazing players to focus at what they do best and interact very efficiently uh, with one another. That, that's great. And I think that's really all the time we have today. So, you know, as always, uh, thanks so much for taking time to, to speak with us. And thank you everyone for joining us uh, on this podcast. And uh, hopefully you'll join us for our future uh, Account Future Health podcast. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for the next episode of Cowan Insights.